The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live for the first time in a bit. We actually, we had the COVID, and thank God we had a few episodes recorded because we couldn't have come in with the COVID. Very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting times. <laughs> we, we lived. We're okay. Everyone's getting the COVID, but it honestly would have been a thing that either Scott would have had to Zoom or I would have had to Zoom alone. So I'm glad that we were recorded, but we're back in studio live, and today we're going to talk about regulating dog training. First, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. And I got to mention, um, our original pig, I think it's like our 142nd episode or something, our original pig died. It doesn't squeak anymore. So everyone's playing with our pigs and we're not here for one, but he's going to have to have a funeral today. It's very sad. Um, my quirky tip today is if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form in your life, I talk about this a lot on like Facebook threads and we are big into EFT. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Check out the app, The Tapping Solution. I legitimately, you guys, am obsessed with this app. I think it's like $60. If you are struggling with sleep, if you have COVID, when Gigi was dying, she was having some heart issues and you can actually do EFT on animals. I like searched the app. There was a heart one. I'm like tapping through with her. I went to see a good friend of mine whose dog passed away. I freaking sought out grief. I like typed in grief. There was literally like a tapping for pet loss. It is the most amazing thing ever. And there's legit just straight up stress and anxiety ones. I'm doing a five day anxiety challenge. Um, spoiler alert. I'm four days. I'm four, uh, four meditation tappings or whatever in with the first day and the last ones today, but check it out. The EFT app, it's called the tapping solution. The Ortners, um, have started it, Nick Ortner and his family and a lot of big wigs love tapping. And, um, it's just, it's amazing. The app has blown up so much since COVID and since Ukraine and everything else, there's so much specific stuff. So check it out. There's a lot of, um, things on the app you can use without paying any money. There are, but honestly, the paid app itself is like so specific. And Scott, Scott's the one that originally um, introduced me to EFT, and he had found out about it, and he's taken some practitioner courses and stuff. Literally, one time I had a bad experience at the vet a few years ago, and I like got home fuming. And Scott's like, "All right, come on, let's tap through this." Like he would tap. He has shoulder issue when he goes to the gym. He would tap like for better strength for the next thing. So just check it out, okay? It's scientifically proven. It's amazing, and we all are struggling. So check it out. All right, so regulation in dog training. Where do you stand, babe? Well, I'm not big on any kind of regulation in my life. He doesn't like rules. (laughs) I don't like any rules. I don't like people telling me what to do. Uh, So I'm, I have to say I'm against it if you just wanted the short answer. Yeah, no, and Um, um, it's an interesting time in our lives because, uh, and actually Massachusetts just passed like three um, laws this week and we'll get into that, but I was thinking about this, and maybe I'm going to get kicked to the curb for this, but it's like, is dog training an art or is it a science? And um, there is definitely, obviously, science to training, right, and behavior and animals, like clearly, 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 but it's also kind of an art. And I was thinking, 
huh, that'd be kind of fucked up if we started regulating artists. Like if it was like, oh no, you can't do your thing. So I don't know. The proof is in the pudding. I know I say that freaking every week and I've said it probably a million times since we started podcasting. But if you are ethically working with dogs and getting good results and you're helping dogs and owners, I don't understand why regulation would help what's going on. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Well, I think there's um, there's a little bit of a, a conflict with organizations that are promoting regulation, yet they're also selling certifications through their uh, organization, which is where they're trying to steer people to become regulated. You know, and it's big regulated. money, it's you big have to, money to, our, to pay for these uh, Yeah, you could spend right? five grand to get these uh, credentials that then allows you to be approved by the state, which would be the ideal that they would want to create yeah. in that scenario. And um, I just, at the end of the day, like, I, you know, I, I'm going to just bring this up. So there was this New York Times article from 2017, right? And it was, you know, how to find a qualified dog trainer. And, you know, you go through and you're reading this whole thing and obviously they're promoting the positive training and everything else. But like, at some point, they actually compare it to like a doctor, like you're not going to go to the doctor um, to work on a kidney without the person going to school. And like, yeah, like I wouldn't go see a doctor either. But if you hire a construction company or a carpenter or something else, like maybe some people learn from their families and their amazing carpenters and their amazing employees. Like it's just a fine line with like what you're going to push. You know what I mean? So it's, you really have to be careful of, it, it sounds good on the surface, right? Like, of course, let's be nicer to animals. Let's not you know, shock animals and all this stuff and invisible fences and everything else. But then like, I don't know, there comes a point where we cross a line. I feel that you're kind of overstepping and there's a lot of people out there that have been successfully training dogs and have helped hundreds, if not thousands of people and dogs. So it's kind of a big buzz topic right now. And it, it promotes big feelings and I get big feelings, but regulation is not necessarily helping our society in all ways, shapes, and form. No, and I think that it seems like the big push behind all this is to stop animal abuse. That yeah. tends to be the direction that this comes from. And there's already laws on the books for animal abuse, you know, and if a person is abusing a dog, they should be prosecuted by local authorities and to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, we don't want anyone out there abusing animals. No, for sure. not at all. And so it's... Just because they're putting an e-collar on an animal doesn't mean that's abusive. You can definitely be abusive with an e-collar. You can be abusive with a leash. You can be abusive with a flat collar. I mean, you can be you, abusive with food. You can be abusive with your hands. Like you can be abusive. It's that. So I. It's just I. I'm not really that concerned about it. Honestly, at the end of the day, this is nothing to promote our in-person business or oh my god, we're so scared they're coming for us. But a lot of people talk about this, and I have a real issue with seeing like hundreds of clients that are able to quiet their dog in the yard for barking or be able to leave their dog in a crate safely and not have it destroy their home or throw itself against the door. Like I feel for the clients when it happens and when it comes up, because I think, oh my gosh, if they didn't have these tools and honestly, half the people don't even use those tools anymore and they still have well-trained dogs. So I, we can work with our dogs and we can work with animals and stuff. And it, we have a lot of methods and everything else, but regulation and dog training seems really, really far-fetched to me right now. Yeah, one of the things that I was reading when I was researching this was they were talking about ethics and dog training. And I, you know, assumed when I started to read this uh, information that it would get into the training aspects and what they considered ethical, not ethical. But really, it was more focused on running a business itself. And uh, if you don't run 
uh, a business properly, the business is going to go out of business really quick. And they're talking about basic things like returning phone calls. If you're going to be late to an appointment, call ahead, let them know you're running late. I mean, this is just basic business, you know, listening to a person, not accusing them or being confrontational with your clients, all this stuff. It doesn't matter what your business is. You need to uh, approach it in a mature way and and not get triggered by your clients. And and if you are, then you need to evaluate yourself and why am I blowing yeah, up at people? Yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you aren't able to do those things, then in this day and age of social media, the reviews are going to be telling the story really quick. You're going to yes. be getting bad whether reviews. You're, whether you're a balanced company or a matter, positive yeah. reinforcement-based company. And I, you know, I, TikTok, I think, has really blown a lot of stuff up because a lot of dog trainers are now posting quickly and getting a big following and getting good results no matter what method they use. And so, a lot of it's just propaganda. I'm sorry. Like, the balanced trainers that get on, they're like, positive reinforcement doesn't work. You guys are all idiots. Okay, well, like, find a really good positive reinforcement trainer, and you can learn that it does. But some of these positive reinforcement trainers, like, just see someone using an e-collar, and it's like, oh, my God, you know, call the cops. And sit means sit gets a lot of backlash, and we're not sit means sit trainers. Scott has never been a sit means sit trainer. He did know Fred Hassan back in the day and everything else. But, like, now there's also people that do reinforcement-based training that do boot camps. Like, you know, it used to just be boot camps. Like, oh my God, boot camps are terrible. And now it's, you know, oh, it's probably sit means sit. But like, it's freaking propaganda, you guys. Like, please stop judging a book by its cover. And please stop making this like, whoa, whoa, and these poor dogs and these poor clients and everything else, because it's really not fair. And we have a lot of division. There's another election that's going to be coming up. There's going to be greater division. Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? I really don't understand it. Well, I looked into some other, you know, animal training. I looked at horse training as an example, and that's also unregulated. Anybody can start uh, training people and teaching kids how to ride a horse, you know, and um, you need to be able to get insurance, you know, to for, because kids fall off horses all the time and stuff like that. But it's a it's an unregulated industry, you know, and it's I don't and it may and I I I really do not see. In the United States of America, dog training being regulated over all 50 states in any way, shape, or form. But if it were to be, then maybe the horses would be regulated next, the horse trainers. I mean, they're already using the behavioral meds in horses sometimes also. And I'm not, I know we talk about meds a lot on the podcast, and it's not that like, oh my God, meds never work. It's just, if that's the only way, that's an issue for me. So I, I don't know. Regulation. Scott's never been big on regulation. He's, you know, with roofing. He went to some conference one time. And, well, that you was know, highly regulated. I mean, I did yeah. have to get a No, no, no. I'm talking about like when you that. listen to someone else's business plan. Like when right. you went by someone else's regulations. Like really, if you run a good business and you're self-employed, you have to be a people person. You have to have good interpersonal skills. You have to be good at managing money. And you have to be good at what you do. I'm sorry. You just do. Like you're not going to be a roofing contractor and, you know, put on shitty roofs and then get a ton of clients. You're not going to be a dog trainer and not get results within a reasonable amount of time. And I would say six months, six months for a dog of any age, you should be able to get reasonable results with, you know, classes, whatever else. If you cannot get to that point, then I don't know. I don't think the regulation is necessarily going to help our problem of dogs and poorly behaved dogs and everything else. No, I agree with you. Okay. All right. Let's go to break. I did want to say just another thing real quick is that um, one of the other reasons I think that it really will never become a regulated industry is because it's a very small money industry. Yeah. It's not like roofing where the average roofer could be doing 
you know, a small roofer could be doing several hundred thousand dollars a year in business. We're talking about people doing group classes and charging 125 bucks a person to have six or eight people in a, in a small group. And this is not big money. People are yeah. not getting wealthy in the dog training industry. Yeah, I will tell you where there is big money, though, is in the companies. And companies that do sell e-collars and everything else, they're big companies. Like, we're talking big stuff there. And we did a whole Petco Stop the Shock thing. But there's also becoming big money in these organizations, right? They're they're taking in big money. They have a board of directors. Like, they are really kind of rising up. All right, let's go to break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about the politics of all of this. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, we are back. So um, I want to touch on this Massachusetts thing because it just happened recently. And ironically, I mean, my husband um, has lived in California and Massachusetts for all of his life until we moved to Maine. And they're like two of the most liberal states in the entire country. But Massachusetts just passed three bills this week. So one is the Beagle Bill, um, which no longer allows for um, the testing of beagles like in research facilities. Totally get it. All this stuff sounds great. Well, they're now taking these dogs and they're all getting adopted into homes. I don't know how those dogs were, you know, born and raised and everything else, but I don't know if they would all be adoptable either. Like, I don't know what that looks like with dogs that if the puppies were literally raised and researched and brought up, great. I'm not saying put down all the beagles, but I don't necessarily know if those make great pets. Um, The second thing was the enforcement of illegal hunting practices, um, cracking down on the poaching in the Commonwealth. I don't know what kind of poaching we're doing in Massachusetts, and I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm sorry that I didn't go and look up the bill, but that seems a little bit crazy. And then the third thing is Ollie's oh, Law. Go ahead. That could be shooting uh, deer on private property, the poaching, things like that. Potentially. I'm not sure. But that, that was one of the things that was passed. And then the third one was Ollie's Law, and it has to do with regulation of um, – the safety and puppies of kitten, like the safety of puppies and kittens, I get all of that. And then it talks about regulation for boarding kennels and all of this. So Ollie's law was actually passed by, it was helped to be passed by Jeremy Cohen, who was on as Boston Dog Lawyers. So I'm going to ask him directly about it and we can loop back in there. But like these, these things are starting to happen. Back in, when was the article? Um, there was, oh, it's on my phone. I'm sorry. Okay. So back in New Jersey, they, they, I don't know, years ago, they were trying to pass, they wanted New Jersey to be licensed. So what that would have looked like was obviously you're a positive reinforcement-based dog trainer. You undergo 300 hours of training. You have a high school diploma um, or a GED and you pass the test. But it's the test that this specific organization gives you, right? And what is concerning to me is if you're just sitting behind a computer learning about all of this, and I understand there's in-person training and you know you have to re-up your credentials and everything else, but if that's where you're getting the majority of your information from a very small segment of the population and you're just learning it behind a computer, similar to you would with you know a college course virtually or something else, it's very biased information. And everyone will say, oh, it's all based in science. It's all based in science. Okay, that is fine. And I will give you that. I wrote this article... December 29th of 2020, and it was called Coming Together in the Dog World. And at the end of the article, I said, as dog trainers, if you don't currently train at least 50 dogs a year to reliably walk on a loose leash, stay on a bed for at least 30 to 45 minutes with distraction, and rest quietly in a crate any time of day or night, please reserve reserve your judgment. And that goes for people on either side of the fence. 
Not only that, is your personal dog doing these things, you guys? Like, that really irks me. I've raised sync with all positive reinforcement training methods. Uh, you know, I guess there's a different cross-sectionality of that. She sat in every single one of the classes that I taught. Scott puts Jimmy in the car every single day to go to work and works with his dog in public, off-leash, everything else. So just before you're so snarky, like, please tell me that you're having a positive effect on the dog world and you're getting good results with your clients and your own dogs. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, yeah. I, I, there's no argument here. I think that uh, any, regardless of what your methodology is, which to me that is meaningless, if you're going to be a professional dog trainer, you should be able to bring your dog out uh, in classes, in public spaces, and use them as an example for whatever it is you're trying to help these people with. If it's walking on a loose leash, look, here's my dog walking on a loose leash. Um, uh, here's me showing you how to get it with your dog. Yeah. Here's your dog walking on a loose leash with you. I mean, when Scott's doing classes, and I, I, you guys can judge however you want, but when Scott's doing classes, his clients are getting these results Quickly, right? Like quickly. And it's not that they're all getting hit on the e-collars on 80. Some of them are just wearing like martingale collars. Like they're getting results in the real world to take their dog places and be able to do yeah. things with their dogs. I think most of my clients are not even using e-collars. Uh, most yeah, of most of your, not, yeah, most of your classes aren't. Yeah, board and train we and, do, um, but yeah, no, it's true. It's just helping people be a little more assertive with their dogs and, uh, and also more protective of their dogs in public from the public that comes in and undermines everything you're trying to do with your dog because they just want to come in and pet your dog and, and they don't listen to you half the time. And really, a lot of it is kind of assertiveness training in some regards. Very you know? much so. It's, it, and, yeah. and it's also people training, right? Like, and it's, I, <laughs> it's, it's almost therapy sometimes when you're working with dog owners and everything else because the dogs are a reflection of our lives and our energy and everything. So if you're having a lot of stress, your dog is potentially having a lot of stress. We understand that. But it's about getting your dog's behavior under control, getting that all handled, and then maybe your stress level may lower with that happening. So it's it's important that um, we talk about these things because things seem to be heating up. They seem to be bubbling up. You know, Biden's president, okay, we got this liberal agenda. Well, with that, we now have lost some abortion rights in the country. I understand that was the Supreme Court and Biden's trying to fight back for that. But like, it seems like, okay, like while we have a liberal president and like, let's get moving, let's get all this stuff passed. And what would that look like? So like what now we should be saying like, okay, like we got to throw in the towel. We'll never work with any other dogs. Like, I don't know. It just, it just seems crazy. Like it just, it just seems like what, what would the point be? And Scott said before, I think he said it on the Petco episode, like he could train a dog just with a flat collar. It's not that like these tools and everything are so super important, but why is this becoming such a bigger issue right now? And it does seem to stem back to more of a political issue. And I will say that, you know, there's, there's, I don't know how many million dogs there are. I think there's 10, 12 million dogs in the country or something. And 90, you know, statistically, 99% of these dogs never see one day of training or one session of training. We, we need more dog trainers in this country to help these people so less dogs get put down, less dogs are uh, in shelters for bad behavior. And uh, More dogs to, the feel more better. You, the more you regulate just getting into an industry, uh, raising that barrier of entry, even if it was, I don't have a GED, I don't have a high school diploma, uh, so I can't now become a dog trainer until I go back, get my GED, all these different steps. It's preventing people from getting into the industry. 
And um, and I I don't know everyone's credentials in dog training, but maybe there's some brilliant dog trainers out there without a GED. Well, I'm like sure I, many. I don't, yeah, I'm sure like people I, that are that are hands on in their occupation usually are not heavy on the academic side. You know, plumbers, uh, all kinds of people, artists, work, carpenters, all kinds of people that work with their hands. They wind up or auto mechanics. Quite often, that's something that they excel in. They don't quite often excel in the academic side of things. So they wind up working with their hands and they wind up doing well. So I just think that any, and nobody comes comes out of the gate being a good dog trainer. I mean, I think that people with We're still learning. We're ability, still becoming better dog trainers yeah, learning through our clients. I mean, when I first started uh, my business, I obviously I was the, at the least experience of the whole thing now. And I mean, I just kept getting better every time I picked up a leash and worked with a new dog. And I was always exploring new methodologies and how can I do this better? What's more effective? What's going to help the client the most? And I, um, I mean, I, I had mentioned probably on the podcast before, but like in 2007, I went to the Clicker Expo. And well, and he also, he also it. wanted to, he, you didn't like that your clients in California at that time were kind of relying be, heavily I, on the electric. I you thought, thought they were being, being too hard yeah. on their dogs. You thought they were just they were just punishing for everything, saying, "Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this." Oh, good, the dog doesn't do anything now. Great. So Scott didn't like that from a business perspective. I, I didn't like people that were happy if their dog was just hiding under the table and not jumping on counters. That wasn't the point that, of the tool. That wasn't why I got involved in the business. And uh, I also wanted to expand my knowledge. I went to the Clicker Expo. And this was right when they were starting the Clicker Academy, uh, Karen Pryor's Clicker Academy, which I immediately said, hey, I want to go sign up for this thing. I mean, they didn't even, they were just starting to take applications. And I said, I want to get involved in the Clicker Academy. I love Clicker Expo. And they said, well, um, I said, but I'm already a trainer and I use pinch collars and I use e-collars and I use different tools. And they said, well, you can't use any of that stuff anymore if you're going to be doing this. And I said, well, I... I'm already making a living with these tools. And <laughs> with so, three children and a yeah, it's big like I overhead, can't just, yeah. <laughs> I can't just stop everything and change everything midstream without first seeing that the methodology works. I'm feeling good about the methodology. And uh, so I said, I'm not going to pay for the course and then have you tell me I can't uh, do what I always did. I, my feeling was if these new methods were so much superior to the old, I naturally would just shed away all the old methods. Yeah, and There's you, no need for any of that crap anymore because I have something so much you better. You went with just front attach harnesses for how long? There was a period there Only where you switched. Only maybe four or six months. Yeah. I, I bought maybe 30 or 40 front attach harnesses. I bought a bulk amount and I was just wanted to work with dogs with front attach and food and, and start, you know, taking it slower. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but I got more complaints over that that series of time from people like, listen, we've been coming here for all these classes and the dog still is pulling. And that's and not and to that. say that people out there using front attached harnesses aren't making great strides. It's not to put anyone down. If it's working for you, great. Like, it doesn't work for it, every it, dog. And it's that's so, but it, it, it could, there may be some people out there that we don't realize. And if it is working for you, that is great. But we have to consider, like, why why do we care what people put on their dogs to go to Home Depot I uh, or to go anywhere, to be out in public? If the dog is well-behaved and it's not biting other people and it's not keeping people up at night and if it's not, you know, I, I don't know, all the bad things that dogs do that are really causing a lot of hassles and problems in our lives – 
Why do we care? Why, why does it affect us? Like it, it, it is something separate from us and it, oh my gosh, like it well, just it, becomes an animal rights thing. Yeah, it it's just not about becomes dog an animal rights at all. Thing. It's not about dog training. It's about animal rights. And, uh, you know, a lot of these people and, um, that are really, really heavily promoting the all positive dog training, they have a lot of issues themselves, and I hate to. I'm not some trying, of that, and they also and they whether, don't they don't train the public. Whether they have you have problems. issues yourself, yeah. Like I just show us clients that are doing it. Are you currently working in person with clients? And show us your own dogs doing it. Like just please show us. That's all people want to do is learn, right? Like they're looking for answers. They're looking to learn. And I want to get a little bit back to the political thing because, okay, like well, how is it political? Why does it matter? Everything else. Well. I was very open about voting for Biden on the podcast. I wore pearls the day of the election. I'm still a balanced trainer when it comes to our pet dog clients. Like, it's not that it's like we're all like one side's over there, one side's over there. When the New York Times is only doing these articles with these positive organizations, that is very political. I saw Trevor Noah took out, I love Trevor Noah. The Daily Show is hilarious. I love all of that. He literally took out an ad on the back of the New York Times that was like really snarky about something and a phone number. I mean, it was, it was like propaganda. It was like Instagram and freaking, that's not what the newspaper used to be, right? The newspaper used to be, you can advertise businesses, you can give news, but you can't like promote your own political agenda there. So just make sure you're balanced in what you're looking at, what you're reading, what you're seeing. I mean, it's just, it's important. And if you're just in this like echo chamber, you're not necessarily seeing everything. And there are, there are trainers out there that uh, are abusing dogs. They're very far and few between. But when something like that does happen, it's a big story. And it comes and out just, quickly. We just had this happen locally with a, a facility <laughs> that was, was my uh, old running facility, a daycare. <laughs> and her own employees turned her in. And she had cameras in the facility. And there was camera footage of this woman kicking dogs, hanging dogs, all kinds of stuff that obviously... Was made, yeah, it made, it made anyone that wants to work yeah. with animals uncomfortable. Yeah. It wasn't and, something, uh, yeah. But she's being prosecuted, and I think that... It's in the middle. The court case is going on. Right, there's a lot going on in Massachusetts right now with dogs and everything But it's an else. animal abuse case, yes. and I think that's going to be about the worst charge that anyone in the dog industry could ever have on them is an animal abuse case. When you're supposed to be in an in a industry that you love, you do it because you love the dogs and you want to be involved in that. And it is a high burnout thing, you know, that there's a lot of stress related to working with dogs and that have a lot of emotional problems. You have people with a lot of emotional problems and there is a high burnout. That's why vets have such a hard time. So, I mean, sometimes... Well, vets, vets are a separate, separate issue. And yeah, the compassion fatigue thing is a separate issue. Like, I understand there's burnout and everything else. We're not going to that so much, but like... We love our clients. Like, I, I can't tell you, like, like we hug our clients. A few weeks ago, we were down in Boston, and the girl was just talking, and she got emotional, and she started sobbing on the street, and Scott went and put his arm around her and was like, it's okay. Like, when our clients' dogs pass away, like, it affects us. Like, they write us, and, like, sometimes if they're really close clients, like, we send, like, some sort of, like... I don't know, a present or something. Like I just sent an etched stone thing to one of our clients from forever ago when they lost their dog. Like we, they're like our family in a sense. And I, I think that that is important to let people know that like, just because someone has a pinch collar or an e collar doesn't mean now that they hate dogs and they just want to punish dogs and that they want to hurt dogs. And especially if it's your own freaking animals, like why would anyone want to hurt their animals? That makes no sense. I mostly don't use compulsion. Vital does wear a bark collar and a crate. So if you want to 
give me a hard time for that, that's fine. It's mostly my ego because I don't need uh, I don't need an e-collar to have my dog come. I can get that without. But there are many different values to these tools. And if they're helping people, why would we take away anything that is helping people? Honestly, that's why I started with the EFT, the tapping solution app, because like if it's something that can help you and it can take five minutes, it can be free or it can be a hundred dollars. Why wouldn't you at least try it? And if you're getting super triggered by this episode, go download the app and listen to an app that talks about anger or whatever. I mean, like literally like these are things that should be discussed and they should be discussed openly and just be honest about it because I don't know. There's a lot of people out there that need help. And there's a lot of dogs out there that need help. And I don't want to point a finger one place or the other. I don't think it's methodology. I don't think it's rescue. I don't even think it's genetics. Honestly, I don't think it's people's own problems. I don't think it's COVID, but the combination of all of it makes it a big issue. And if there are people out there that are using balanced training methods that can help, why should they now lose their jobs? That, that doesn't make sense to me in this day and age with everything else we have going on. Yeah, I will say with regard to the um, methodology that, um, you know, I use you as an example all the time of someone that doesn't use corrective collars that can raise a a puppy into a nice young dog that you can have off-leash control in public spaces. But I tell people also that when you're doing this kind of stuff, it's, in a sense, it's very unforgiving. You need to be setting scenarios up from day one getting that puppy so the puppy is having success and not getting and reinforced for a lot of bad behavior. Also depending on the dog, right? Like you may get a super low drive lab from the freaking rescue that actually had a pretty good life when it started. And you can walk in in a front attached harness forever. Like yeah. it, it, it really, it, it truly depends on the dog. But a dog with severe anxiety or a bite history or something else, if the balanced trainers are able to save these dogs from getting euthanized and I support behavioral euthanasia. I'm not saying that there should be zero dogs put down, but when that becomes political too, it becomes an issue for me. So just be really conscious of what you're watching, what you're looking at, who you're following, who you're unfriending, right? Like, oh my God, that person's gun control. Don't like it. Unfriend. That person's abortion stance. Don't like it. Unfriend. All you're doing is getting more and more and more of an echo chamber. And I don't think that's super healthy. This meme was flying around, um, a few weeks ago on Facebook and I liked it. There's some person sitting on a bus that's like had its head rested on the side of the bus and said, gets triggered by every news event. And the person looks like depressed and sad and everything else. And then this person on the other side of the bus is smiling, happy, looking out the window. And this person says, realizing that the news is a scripted drama and the best way to take care of the world is to shut off the TV and become the happiest, healthiest version of yourself. And it's not only the TV, you guys, it's the fricking phone. I have the tapping solution on the iPad and I don't even have Facebook on my phone. The less that you have on your phone and the less that you're constantly getting your mind infiltrated with all this BS, the happier you may be. I I just, I truly believe that. Yeah. And getting back to the regulation, I mean, I think about the cannabis industry now, which is a a prime example of, uh, in some states, overregulated. And like in Massachusetts, when it became legal in um, 2017, I was excited about it. And the price of entry getting involved in cannabis at that time was a million bucks. Like the state wanted you to give them, I think it was 100000 or something, just for the application fee. And that excluded all kinds of people. And um, in Maine, where we live now, it's the the point of entry is very low. You yeah. can you can put a sign out if you have a commercial property or even out of your house, and you can start selling cannabis uh, 
with to medical people that need it for medical use, things like that. And a lot of people are leaving Massachusetts. A lot of people left California. If you live in Mass, it's very easy to come to New Hampshire or Maine. That's not specifically why we got here. And you can still get an abortion in those states. So please don't be so judgy about things. But like, honestly, when we were in Massachusetts, we're self-employed, right? We pay for our own insurance. We are self-employed people. We were paying $3,000 a month for insurance. Scott had a family plan. His ex was still on it. I had my own plan. It was, it was, my plan was like $400. His family plan was $2,600, $3,000. When we moved into our dog training facility to cut down our overhead and make sure that the dogs and our clients were getting the absolute best care possible. I mean, it was like hands-on support. I was two doors away. They would not insure us because we did not live in a residence. So I went uninsured and Scott ran his insurance through his dad's Massachusetts address, but that's pretty severe. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. So now we don't have a home. We, I literally bought insurance in Maine online, online, the two of us, a thousand dollar policy, bought it online. Massachusetts said, you need to show us proof that you have insurance in Maine before we cancel your policy. And Scott's like, what if I moved to Maine and I, I didn't I want to, to have insurance? To like, you guys like are you kidding? Like, we had to like give them proof of like, okay, yeah, we're insured up here in Maine. Like, that is a lot. I'm sorry. And when I'm a paying customer and I'm giving you $3,000 a month out of our own money, I mean, it's a lot of freaking money. If you're self-employed and you have your own business, everybody's like, oh, you're just raking it in. You're making so much money. Self-employment is not always easy. If it is really hard for you emotionally, Again, the tapping solution, the EFT app, everything else, you have to be able to manage yourself. But there is a lot of red tape and there are a lot of things that happen there that you may not realize if you are coming from a family of just doctors and lawyers and a lot of education. Self-employment is not an easy journey. No. And over-regulation tends to kill small business. Yes. That's, that's my feeling about it. I'm not an extreme right-winger by any stretch of no, the imagination. And, and that's true. And Scott, I, I I don't know. I'm not trying to get too personal, but like, I am the kind of person that like, I've said to Scott, like, if he had voted for Trump either election, like, I wouldn't necessarily want to be married to Scott for that sake. If DeSantis runs, like, he runs. I'm not saying I'm going to go out and vote for DeSantis, but like, I don't know, you guys, like, we're just so like, oh, my God, you have to believe what I believe or this is going to be screwed up. And that's not helping our cause. There are a lot of things getting killed. There are a lot of people getting killed with guns. Like, there's a lot happening. So why would we be killing small business in any way, shape or form, especially when it's productively helping society? I just I really have a hard time with that. And helping dogs. That's the main thing. So, yeah, as it relates to dog training, it's an unregulated industry. I think it should continue to be an unregulated industry. I think anybody that wants to become a dog trainer should jump right in and start learning, apprenticing with someone, taking, take some online courses, go to a dog training school. There's great schools around the country. There's a few good schools around the country. We don't and even you, know and, that much, honestly, about to, the schools. You could right spend, now. you know, ten grand to go to a dog training school, and I mean, you got to pay for an education. You got to get your hands on dogs. You got to learn how to work with dogs, and it takes time. Yeah, it takes time. And, so, and and really, at this point, like, there's a lot of dog trainers out there. A lot, like, there's a lot of dog trainers out there. So, are they? Do they have enough clientele? Or do they have the reviews on? Google and Facebook and everything else. Are they making a difference? Do they have the their own personal dogs coming out and showing you guys, okay, this is possible, inspiring you, feeling like, wow, I can do this. Okay, I feel better about it. Like, this is all part of it because 
I, we really truly just want to help. We sit up here to help. We don't have some big thousand dollar course. That's not the ultimate plan. There's really no other reason that we come every week than to sit up here and impart what we have learned from our own experience and what we're learning from our current experience onto the dog owning population and sometimes trainers and sometimes other people in the world than to help. That's all we want to do. We spend $200 a week to come here and do that for you guys. So if, if there's a different incentive for some people, then maybe you should look into that. And maybe you just make sure you're looking at a well-rounded approach of all things life. That's all I'm trying to say. And that's really important. Are we good? Well, you seem like you had some points to make this week. Well, I, I do think that, um, we're not looking at enough sources. We're just not looking at enough news sources. You know what I mean? The Independent has run a story where Biden literally gets off the podium and he goes to shake the hands of someone that isn't there. And like the New York Times isn't going to talk about that story. So it, it does get awkward then if we're only getting certain information from certain news outlets and we're not the news, right? But other influencers do become the news. So be conscientious of these things. Be thoughtful about these things. And check out the tapping solution. That's all I can freaking tell you. <laughs> I am telling you right now, I, the world is a hard place. I love the tapping solution. You feel yeah. like we covered yeah. everything? If you're looking for a dog trainer, find someone that's been doing it for a while that has a lot of reviews that and can that give also, you some references. Also that you like mesh well with, right? Yeah, you get like, along with them personally. Like, yeah, like Scott, literally, I mean, his closing ratio was crazy. Like people love Scott. He shows up, he has a good chat with them. Everything goes great. Like he gets some results with the dogs. And then we constantly are following up with our clients thinking like, oh, how's that going? Let's see how it's going. We want long-term relationships with our clients so they have long-term success. And in turn, that should help the problem of dogs and all their craziness in this world. That's how I feel. Yeah, and it's it is different than you know they they talk about a doctor like a kidney you need a kidney replace something like that. Uh, if I was going to have a kidney replaced, I'd want the best kidney specialist available. I don't care what his personality is like. Yeah. I don't care if he's a total dick. If he knows his business, that's the guy I want to take care of me. When you're dealing with a dog, it's a much more personal relationship. You're dealing with this dog trainer at least once a week for four to six weeks. Uh, if it was a board and train, there should be follow-ups. There's going to be a relationship there and you need to get along with the person as well as it, ideally they know how to train the dog. But if they know how to train the dog, but they're a total dick, you're not going to want to deal with them anyway. Yeah. So there's a on lot more going camps, on here. Right? Like just be nice. Be yeah. nice humans. It doesn't matter what be the nice methodology to your clients is. And be nice to others. Give everyone out there some grace. We are all trying our best to help dogs and to help owners. We don't do what we do for great reviews and, oh my God, like let's have it all come in. However, we have a lot of happy people. So just be conscientious about these things. Please, 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 yeah. please, please. No my, more echo chambers. My uh, big challenge now is to treat Jess as well as I treat my clients. <laughs> <laughs> All he has left is to take care of me. I'm, I'm the only thing that's left. All right, you guys, have a great week. I know we are kind of all over the place, but this was important to us. We will see you next week. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming in store. And in the meantime, keep, keep it, quirky. it quirky, guys. And RIP to my blue pig. We're going to go bury him. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.